Amen, and thank you, Billy, for that wonderful song. When we all get to heaven, that's what we're waiting for, right? And press, pressing on, uh, <clears throat> that one day we will be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. And I look forward to that day when we will see him face to face. And um, a sinner saved by grace, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. So we press on until that time. I do want to just say congratulations to our 2020 graduates. I know it's been a difficult year, uh, but you persevered through a difficult year, and we're thankful for that and excited for your next step in your uh, journey of education and learning and growing. And so just continue to keep your eyes on the Lord, and we'll be excited to hear the things that God does uh, in and through your lives. And also, this is Memorial Weekend, and we just want to say uh, a special thank you uh, to people that have served um, in our uh, military to protect and uh, fight for our freedoms that we enjoy in this country and many that have given their lives uh, paid the ultimate price and uh, we do want to take time to remember them and uh, even pray for those families uh, this weekend. Uh, today, I'm kind of bringing, uh, I'm not going to do First Peter today, I, I, I want to bring a message, it's kind of my farewell message to the church, uh, because next week we hope to do the baptisms, um, and so I, I want to talk to you uh, from my heart uh, about how to move forward as a church. Um, but really, before I get into that, um, I, I just want to say what a joy it has been for our family uh, to be a part of the Bethesda family uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, we moved here uh, in July of 2010. Uh, we came and candidated in April of 2010. Um, Visited a lot of homes, had a lot of coffees and meetings, and to get to know you, and you to get to know us, and uh, we've gotten to know each other quite well over these past 10 years, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and one thing that we know for sure is that we're all broken. Uh, we're all broken people in need of God's grace, and we serve as a broken people, and by the grace of God to carry the message uh, forward. Uh, but, you know, it just brings great joy to my heart. Uh, they've been going through so many different emotions uh, that we've been working through and continue to work through them. And I, I had to chuckle at some of the things that we learned uh, when we moved here uh, culturally. Um, you know, we came here and there's a different culture here. Um, one of the first uh, activities we were attending, uh, somebody said to Pam about bringing bars to the to the activity and she's like bars what do you mean bars well you know like seven layer bars or brownies what do you call brownies and we said we call them brownies <laughs> you guys call them bars that's okay it's just a cultural difference um, and then how you guys give directions here it never worked back east I mean you guys give directions north south east west uh, we'd be all turned around back east with the mountains and curves and I mean, I was in somebody's house, and they were like, uh, you know, it's out there in the East Cupboard. The East Cupboard? I was lost. I had no idea where the East Cupboard was. Um, so just a lot of things like that. And then I, uh, we had a, the meeting with the small group uh, this past Thursday night uh, with CR in the fellowship hall, 
And I couldn't help it when I went to turn the lights off. I'm looking at the bottom of the light switch and I could not believe what it said. It had little stickers underneath each of the light switches and it said front north, back north, front south, back south. I'm like, oh my word, that's amazing. Um, You'd never see that back east. I'm just telling you, you'd never see it. Um, And then, um, you know, I learned what snert was. I didn't know what snert was till I moved here. It's, it's snow and dirt mixed. Um, correction line. Um, you know, that's another thing. What, I said, what in the world is a correction line? We don't have those back east. Um, and then uh, farming. I learned a little bit about farming. I got to ride in the combine a couple times, and that was very uh, enjoyable. And I even learned to plant my own garden um, and take pride uh, as a farmer. Um, and understand that a little bit better. Uh, so it's just been a great, great uh, experience for us. And, um, you know, it, it also reminds me that time is moving on. Um, uh, I had six references uh, that you guys contacted uh, before we came here. Uh, two of those references, uh, those men are in heaven today. Uh, they've passed on to glory. Uh, godly men who love the Lord, and now they're in, in glory Um, And since we've been here too, we've had two of our elders uh, that are now in heaven, uh, Laverne Ahart and more recently Bob Glanzer, Um, godly men who love the Lord, who served the church well, who served Bethesda well, uh, but are in heaven. We had an Awana commander, uh, Alan Hom, who is now in heaven. He helped us move here. Him and Jordan rode their motorcycles all the way to Virginia and uh, helped us drive the trucks back here. And uh, what, a, what a blessing that was, and to get to know them. So they kind of learned early on what they were getting into uh, when, when they uh, traveled that many hours and miles with us. And uh, our cat got loose on the first stop, and we had the cat on a leash, and it got out. It's a whole funny story, but I can only imagine what was going through Alan and Jordan's minds when they saw us on our hands and knees uh, trying to rescue our cat um, from under the vehicle. Um, and then, of course, when we came, Phil Plett was an interim pastor, and, and um, uh, Phil was a neat guy. Um, it was interesting uh, meeting Phil. Um, he introduced me to his family by showing me his belt buckle. He had a picture of his family on his belt buckle. I said, now this is a guy that wants to be close to his family. Um, and he definitely is, because now he just lives up over the hill from them. So, uh, but Phil, I appreciated him so much in, in helping me um, learn ministry here and people. And um, it's just been a great, great experience. Uh, the love, the kindness, uh, the support, uh, the care that you've shown us. Uh, we just greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, it has been a wonderful experience. And um, we've enjoyed it very much. Um, But I do want to just share some things with you as you move forward as a church. Um, How do you move forward as a church? Um, I'm reminded of the words that Paul gave to second in in Timothy, to Timothy. And he told him, of course, this is Paul's last letter. And he tells Timothy... But as for you, in 2 Timothy 3.14, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. 
because you know those from whom you learned it. Uh, So what he's telling Timothy is to continue in the things that he has learned. And that's my challenge to you as Bethesda Church to continue in the things that you have learned. So I, I jotted down seven things that I hope you will continue in as a church. Now, obviously, I can't, each one of these would be a sermon, uh, so I can only abbreviate uh, my comments, but I trust that you will think about these and, and pray about these as you continue to move forward as a church. The first one is, the first thing you need to continue to do is to continue to be a church that loves God and loves others. Why do I say that? Well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, It was indeed uh, the Shema uh, for the Jews. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it was the prayer that they would pray. It was what they would recite every day, morning, evening, they would recite this. And Uh, In Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And then he says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So continue to be a church that loves God and loves others. And teach your children to do that as well by impressing that upon them day by day. To love God, to love others, to love his church. Now I know that's easier said than done. Uh, It is, the Bible warns about our love becoming cold. Uh, Our love for God can become cold and distant. Interestingly enough, Jesus, when he talked to Peter, after Peter had denied him, he said, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Um, Do you love God? Um, We need to love him more and more. And when we do love God, we will show that love by loving others. Um, Jesus demonstrated that perfectly in John chapter 13 by washing the disciples' feet. He served them. He girded himself with a towel and a basin. And he went by and he stooped down and he washed the feet of the disciples and serving them and showing His love, the the Bible says he showed them the full extent of his love by being a servant. And so your love for God will be demonstrated by you serving in the church. Serve in the church. Be a contributor, not a consumer, uh, by loving God and loving others well. The second thing I would say is to continue to be a church that is committed to God's plans. Uh, We have our plans, and God has his plans. And sometimes they're not the same. And so we have to be committed to God's plans 
for our lives, but also for the church. So continue to be a church that is committed to God's plans. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, when was this quoted? Well, this was quoted when God's people were in Babylonian captivity. They were in that captivity, and God is saying, I know the plans I have for you. Even though these plans are not going to come to fruition for years to come, be faithful in following my plan. And he told them what to do, even while they were in captivity, to build houses and marry and have sons and daughters and do all those things he told them to do. And told them to pray for Babylon. Because as Babylon would prosper, so would they. And so he says, I know the plans I have for you. And what were those plans? That after 70 years of captivity, when they turned back to the Lord, he was going to bring his people back to Judah, back to Jerusalem, back to the place where he wanted them to build a temple and honor the Lord. And so God had plans for them. And those plans included some difficult days, some hard days, some discouraging days. That will happen in our lives as well, individually, as a church. But be committed. Be a church committed to God's plans through thick and thin, through prosperity and difficulty. In Psalm 40:17, the psalmist said, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. Notice he says, I'm poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. The Lord was thinking about the Israelites when they were in Babylonian captivity in the difficult days and that he was going to bring them out. Why? Because he said, behold, in Isaiah 49, 16, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. What walls was he talking about? He was talking about the walls in Jerusalem that were in ruin. It was still in the mind and heart of God that those walls would be rebuilt, that that city would be rebuilt, that there would be a temple there, that God's people would come back there and worship the Lord. And so to be committed to God's plans, God has plans for Bethesda Church. They're good plans for worship and for honoring him. He says in Proverbs 16:9, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Proverbs 19:21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, God also initiated a plan to rescue us from our sin and brokenness. That's why we can trust his plan. He initiated a plan to rescue us from our sin and our brokenness. Genesis 3.15 is when he initiated that plan, way back in the very first book, in the opening chapters, right after man sinned and fell. In Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God is a God of rescue. And we have witnessed that rescue even in recent days at Bethesda Church by people coming to Christ. 
And God willing, we'll be able to baptize them. If we can't baptize them, at least you'll hear their testimonies next week. We want you to hear their testimonies of God's rescue and redemption, rescuing them from sin and rescuing them from brokenness. He's done the same in our lives. He's rescued us from sin and brokenness. On May 23, 1939, the submarine Squalus, a $5 million vessel, sank off Portsmouth, New Hampshire. The famed McCann rescue bell was used for the first time. Through this bell-shaped valve, men were able to reach and rescue 33 men trapped inside. When the rescue squad reached the stricken submarine, they tapped with metal on the hull in an effort to locate the sailors. The imprisoned men, answering in similar fashion, asked in the language of Morris Code, is there any hope? You see, there's a lot of people in our world asking that question. Is there any hope for my brokenness, for my hopelessness, for my sinfulness? Is there any hope? Jeremiah 29, 11, God's plans. He has a hope. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. We need to continue to preach that message again and again and again. So let me ask you a question. Who is on your prayer list in need of God's rescue? Do you have a list? Do you pray over that list? Do you shed tears over that list that people will give their lives to Christ? Continue to be that kind of church who is committed to God's plans, the plans of rescuing people out of sin and brokenness. Thirdly, continue to be a church committed to prayer. Committed to prayer. The early church was born in a prayer meeting. Pentecost. Acts 4.31 then goes on to say later, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. It is through prayer as we seek God that he will give the church a holy boldness. Not brashness, boldness. Boldness to not compromise, to not water down, to not bow to the culture. You see, that's a concern in our day. There are so many things creeping in to take away God's people from worship even on Sunday. Good things. And I'm not saying you can't miss a Sunday, but what I am saying is to make church and worship a priority. It's vital that we do that. There are so many things creeping in. It goes back to loving God first with all your heart so that God knows and you know that worship is a priority and not something else, something of lesser importance, of lesser significance. We are to be countercultural Christians. It means we don't take our, our cues from the culture. We don't walk with the crowd. We are countercultural Christians. So pray, be a church committed to prayer. In Acts 4.13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with 
Jesus. That's the kind of church you want to be, is a church that when people come in, they say, this is different. This is a people that has been with Jesus. It's evident in their worship. It's evident in their service. It's evident in their love for God to worship Him. And to pray. Pray for the men who will be bringing God's Word to you. Pastor Anthony, Wes Nelson, Matt Magnus. Pray for these men as they will be sharing God's Word with you this summer that God will give them boldness and the ability to communicate His Word powerfully, effectively, Here's what Paul said in Ephesians 6, 19, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for these men to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. It's vital that we do that as a church. Why do we pray? Because God answers prayer and he answers them according to his plan. He says in Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He's going to reward those prayers as you pray. And I remember when we came here, one of the things that touched my heart was the, the prayer that went into the decision to bring us here. I remember walking in the final meeting before the last Sunday we were here. The men were out here in the lobby and they were praying as I walked in. That was a great sound. It was a great sight. Continue to pray that God will direct you and lead you. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I'm reminded of two Christian men who uh, live near each other. Uh, the first was a farmer, and since there had not been any rain for several weeks, the farmer got up one morning and he prayed for rain, but there was no rain that day. His next-door neighbor was also up early, but he was praying it would not rain because he was taking an unsaved friend fishing that morning. There was no rain that day. You see, God heard both requests, but he couldn't answer both. And he will do that which glorifies him the most. That's what God is going to do. Uh, we need to pray. Another uh, quick story is uh, shortly after Dallas Seminary, I had the privilege of taking some courses there. And shortly after it was founded in 1924, it came to the point of bankruptcy. All the creditors were going to foreclose at noon on a particular day. That morning, the founders of the school met in the president's office to pray that God would provide. In that prayer meeting was Harry Ironside. When it was his turn to pray, he prayed in his characteristically refreshing manner, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are thine. Please sell some of them and send us the money. While they were praying, a tall Texan had to be big, it's Texas. A tall Texan came into the business office and said, I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth. I've been trying to make a business deal go through and it won't work. And I feel that God is compelling me to give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's the check. The secretary took the check, knowing something of the financial seriousness of the hour, 
went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped. When she finally got a response, Dr. Lewis Schaefer took the check out of her hand and it was for the exact amount of the debt. When he looked at the signature, he recognized the name of the cattle rancher. Turning to Dr. Ironside, he said, Harry, God sold the cattle. That's what God does. He meets the needs as we look to him in prayer. The fourth thing I would encourage you to do to move forward as a church is continue to be a church committed to God's word. Committed to God's word. There are so many people that are getting off of God's word and onto personal experience. Personal experiences are good, but we've got to make sure it is based in the word of God and on truth, not feelings. Not I feel this. It's based on the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How are we going to live pure lives? How does a young man keep his way pure? By taking heed thereto according to the word of God. We need to hear the word of God. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke with all long suffering and gentleness. That is what God has called the church to do is to preach the word of God. And every man of God who stands in the pulpit needs to preach the word of God without compromise, with great conviction, holding a high view of Scripture. Preach the word. Paul said, The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. How are you going to fulfill that ministry? By preaching the word of God. Don't take away from the time of preaching. There's so many things that we can crowd into a service and squeeze time out of the preaching of the word of God. Don't do that. Make that the primary spot and primary point of the service. 1 Timothy 4.16, he told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. By being committed to the word of God, you will commit to God's word by making disciples as well. Matthew 28 the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, making disciples. Making disciples begins with evangelism, reaching the lost. That's the first step of discipleship is winning the lost. Paul said he became all things to all men, that by all possible means he might save some. There's so many examples. Jesus, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he must needs go through Samaria that he might preach to this woman and reach her, sharing with her the good news of the living water 
that she would never thirst again. Philip, sharing with the Ethiopian eunuch, drawing near to his chariot. There are people there waiting for us to share with them the truth. Paul said, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus, Acts 20, 21. John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, being a disciple. Well, fifthly, let me move on a couple more real quick. Number five, continue to be a grace-filled church. Grace-filled church. Um, a grace-filled church is a giving church. You have been a giving church. You have been a giving church. And I so appreciate that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul says, Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And what grace did he give them? He gave them grace to give even out of their poverty. He says, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. You see, a grace-filled church is a giving church, not just financially, but it says first you give yourselves to the Lord. And when you give yourselves to the Lord, you're serving in God's church. You're serving, you're giving, you're trying to reach the lost uh, you're a grace-filled church. You've been a grace receiver, and now you're a grace giver. If you've received the grace of God, that's what you're going to give to others. So be a grace giver as well. Second Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be both glory, both now and forever. Be a grace-filled church. That when somebody comes through the doors, they don't feel judged. They sense the love of God, the grace of God, a place where they can be who they are and come to know God from where they are. Number six, continue to be a faithful church, a faithful church. When you go to the book of Revelation, unfortunately, you see all the churches and, and God, how God had something against them. They left their first love. They became lukewarm. The various things that he chastised them for um, to be a faithful church, to don't lose your love for the Lord. Uh, continue to be a faithful church. How are you going to be a faithful church? By finishing the task that God has given you to do in Huron and surrounding communities. What has God called you to do? Make disciples. Continue to make disciples. Continue to evangelize the lost. Continue to grow believers so that they can become leaders and servants in the church. Acts 20, Paul's meeting, his last meeting with the Ephesian elders. And he tells them, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He's going in obedience to God, not even knowing what will happen. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. 
He did know that, and he was still going. Why? In obedience to God, in faithfulness to God. Be a faithful church. However, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. There you go, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's what we do to finish the race, continue to testify to the gospel of God's grace, to be a faithful church. And then the last one, number seven, continue to be a church that supports its leaders. Continue to be a church that supports its leaders. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. So obey and submit to your leaders as to the Lord. As they are following the Lord, as they are following God's word, submit to their leadership and authority. Pray for them. They're broken just like you are. They need your support. They need your love. They need your care. They need your encouragement as they move forward. Let me finish with this song. I believe it's a song. Um, a poem that was, I believe it was turned into a song, God Moves in a Mysterious Way by Jeremy Riddle. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unsearchable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings, in blessings, in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain in his own time and in his own way. Let's bow together for We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.